0: This is Buck's First Thoughts, the news you need to get for your day in 45 minutes. Make sure you subscribe on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: So much of what we see in discourse around the country right now is rooted in causes. You have to pick a cause. You see, you have to find something to publicly support. You don't have to know anything about it. You don't have to actually understand the issue. In fact, you don't even have to be correct in what you say. You just have to say the things you're told to by the woke, by the left, by the Democrats and their control of, of institutions all across the country. And then you're safe and maybe even you get benefits. Maybe there's an upside to this, but don't question anything. Don't think that you're supposed to get to the facts with any of it. No, of course not. You pick a cause based upon what it does for you how it makes you feel to be on the side of that cause. And the Georgia election law, this is, of course, if you're woke, if you're a leftist, the Georgia election law is a perfect example of this. Um, and you're seeing it all over social media. And now I'm just telling you, it's, it's only a matter of time before they start pulling out the fact checks. They, they start making it necessary for you to toe the party line here about the Georgia election and what's going on there. Uh, Georgia election laws before they start saying that it's misinformation or disinformation and shutting you down because social media sites, as you know, have picked a side. Uh, they want to silence and remove any voices the left does not agree with. Twitter and Facebook told us in the early days they were open platforms, but I know that's not true because I have to deal with this. and I don't want their content moderators acting like the op-ed section of the New York Times. So instead of letting social media sites revoke your right to free speech online, how about you take action and revoke their right to your data? Now, you could just deactivate all your social media accounts, but that would give the left what they want. So instead, do this. Get ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN anonymizes much of your online presence by hiding your IP address. That makes your activity more difficult to trace and sell to advertisers. ExpressVPN couldn't be easier to set up. You just tap one button on your phone or computer and you're protected. I've got it on my phone. I've got it on my devices. Very straightforward. It encrypts 100% of your data to protect you from hackers and Internet bad guys. It's finally time to say no to censorship and take back your online privacy at expressvpn.com. That's right. You'll get an extra three months free. Of service at expressvpn.com buck go right now this is a must you have to have this on your devices expressvpn.com buck to protect your data and protect your privacy today well they may insist on calling her dr jill biden but she definitely is not getting a doctorate in spanish language anytime soon here she is at a Ceremony in California. Governor Newsom there talking about workers' rights, stuff like that. And she had this to share with America, the first lady. Play it. So say it
2: with me. Si, se, padre. The future is ours. Thank you.
1: <laughs> si, se, <pode. laughs> It's amazing. I don't even speak Spanish. I know that's not right. I know that's not correct. You know, this is this is great. Oh, man. I love it when either politicians or politician spouses pander so shamelessly and can't even pander well. You know,
3: see, si, say, pwadwe.
1: Oh, man. Yes. Well, apparently, no, no puede. Actually, <laughs> apparently she can't pull it off. Can't manage to say it. But look, these days, as you know. The entire media is going full scale, full tilt, all in pedal to the metal to support the agenda of this Biden administration, because just like getting Biden elected was one massive game of pretending that he wasn't going to be who he actually is as president. Now they've got a rush. Then they had to make sure that that went quickly, that that they could just shut down all the dissenting voices and go to the send people to the election thinking, yeah, he's a moderate Joe Biden. You can trust good old Joe. We know that was all a, a facade. That was all a front a fraud. Now they're trying to get as much of the agenda passed as quickly as possible before the American people can really see what's going on and figure out what's happening. It reminds me very much of the Obama administration. We are living in a replay of. Of Obamaism with Biden as the figurehead. That's what's happening right now in the country. That's what's actually going on, and that's why they're pushing so much for the agenda right now to be massive, sweeping, long-term, structural, trillions and trillions of dollars. And while that's going on, there's also these active, and I'll get into the spending package and all that in in a in a moment. But in the meantime, they're also trying to get people emotionally focused on an issue. They got to get the activists, the media. They have to activate the institutions of Democrat control wherever they can. And corporations now, as, as you know, it was, I think, in the past that the companies, major companies across the country were uh, afraid of the left. That, that's actually changed now. I think this is very important. It's not just that companies are afraid of the left. That's the that's the old model, the old mentality. There are a lot of companies right now, and I mean the biggest ones. I'm talking Amazon, Facebook, Google, Twitter, Nike, you name it. Delta Airlines. There are a lot of companies that 15 years ago, maybe even 10 years ago, would have taken public action on an issue of of politics on on some policy matter usually with a politically correct component to it because they were afraid of boycotts or or being attacked. But those companies, first of all, are essentially I mean, talking about Amazon, it's boycott proof. At least it feels like it is right now. Uh, Same thing for the tech monopolists like Google and uh, and Facebook. Uh, So it's not that they're afraid of the woke. They have been infiltrated by the woke. And are now controlled from the inside, right? So it, the old paradigm was big company bends the knee to wokeness, pays off the activists, you know, gives uh, pays lip service to critical race theory or to uh, you know diversity and inclusion worship or whatever because they don't want to have outside forces coming after them. Now those same mentalities or th- those same approaches from the activist class are from within the companies and sometimes at the very top. Sometimes it is the CEO or the CFO now who believes this stuff because it's not just the fear of being on the wrong side of wokeness that motivates companies. It's now also the inducements. It's the benefits, the upside of taking these positions. You're now a celebrated hero in the New York Times. You're now somebody that Beautiful Hollywood celebrities tweet in support of and say what great leadership you're showing, right? I mean, if you're a really rich guy in your in your 50s or your 60s, you're already worth tens of millions of dollars. You're the CEO of Nike, you're the CEO, you're worth billions of dollars if you're the CEO of Amazon or or Apple. Well, what do you really want? You want your peers to think well of you. And that means. Going along with the woke mob. That's what we're seeing right now in Georgia. That's the situation as it plays out before us. Now, in case anyone's wondering, um, you've already had Major League Baseball now threatened to move the All-Star game from this July from the state of Georgia to punish the state. You've also had the CEO of Coca-Cola denounce the bill. You've had Delta Airlines CEO denounce the bill. And this has turned into one of these things where if you're somebody who just has a, has a passing interest or familiarity with politics, what you say in response to all this is, well, I, I just want to go along with the mob. I don't, I don't want to stand athwart this. I don't want to try to stop it. I'm just going to say, yeah, that's right. What they said. Here's what's really going on SB 202 in Georgia. The Election Integrity Act is under withering assault from the Democrats, from the left, from the establishment of authoritarian Democrat, Democrat control, withering assault. And you have some of the the biggest companies and the most powerful institutions in America that are treating this like it's it's awful. Um, This is a a stain on our country's history. Here's the truth about what's going on. Um, They're putting in place some election integrity measures that are entirely sensible and, if anything, are likely to expand voting and make voting easier, more secure and more straightforward in the state of Georgia. But what does Joe Biden say about that? He was on uh, he was in an interview recently on ESPN. He, he said, quote, this is Jim Crow on steroids, what they're doing in Georgia. I mean, really bringing up a, a horrible part of America's past with the efforts to the, the legal system, the regime of disenfranchising black voters in the South. I mean, comparing this to Jim Crow. Actually, it's worse than Jim Crow. That's what on steroids means. He's saying it's worse than Jim Crow. Uh, This is this is utterly reckless demagoguery. Joe Biden, this really isn't that complicated. Joe Biden is lying because people are emotional about this issue and because the activists are raising money and getting attention and increasing their power. So he's being what he's always been, a Democrat phony who will say whatever he has to say in the moment to get whatever he wants. That's what's going on. It is inexcusable for the president of the United States, for anyone involved in this issue, but particularly for the president of the United States to say something like this is Jim Crow on steroids. It's a it's a reckless thing. Remember, Joe Biden's the guy who said, quote, going to put y'all back in chains end quote right. Joe Biden is a buffoon. And it's shameful that the Democrats have put this guy in the role of the presidency under the promise that he was going to be a uniter. There's nothing uniting about this guy. Nothing. He doesn't unite us at all. That's that's all nonsense. There's no outreach. There's no down the middle. There's no fair minded. He's just a tool for the left. And he's doing exactly what they want him to. Here's what SB 202, which is. Called the Election Integrity Act, although I know they're calling it Jim Crow 2.0 in Democrat circles. It mandates two Saturdays of early voting. You can also add two Sundays locally. So all that stuff about how it bans voting on Sundays to punish black churches, that's a lie. You can add two Sundays of, of voting if you want. But it also adds two Saturdays of early voting. It requires voter ID for absentee voting. That's just common sense. Voter ID is required for in-person voting. Why wouldn't it be required for absentee voting? And Georgia has no explanation absentee voting, unlike, say, the state of Delaware, where Joe Biden was a center, where Joe Biden's from, which requires a reason. So Georgia's already pretty pretty lax on some of these things. It mandates drop boxes and says that they will be secured around the clock. It protects the polling place from electioneering. This is the other you've heard. They don't want black churches to be able to, to take people to the polls on Sunday, which is that's not true. That's not what the law does. And then they say it prevents people in line from getting water. OK, first of all, it prevents People from getting food and drinks in line as they're ready to vote. It doesn't stop the polling place from providing water, which is fine if people want to drink a water in line. What it does is prevents people from saying, hey, vote Biden. Here's a Big Mac. Hey, vote, you know, Trump. Here's uh, some French fries. You know, I mean, whatever. It stops that from happening. Within one hundred and fifty feet of the precinct, election officials may provide water. Okay, beyond one hundred and fifty feet, private individuals may provide food, water for voters. But it's just saying there's an area in which they don't want people to get pressured right before they go in to vote with inducements or gifts or anything else. Nothing in this is unfair. Nothing in this is discriminatory. It's all universally applicable within the scope of the law, constitutional. But Democrats are calling it Jim Crow 2.0. Democrats like Joe Biden are calling it Jim Crow on steroids. Shameless stuff. Shameless. But they have to keep this sense of a pseudo moral high ground going. Because on the one hand, they've got us all focused on this and the activists and the Hollywood celebrities and professional athletes are oh Georgia. Look what's going on in Georgia. And on the other hand, the Biden administration is getting ready to completely destroy the economic recovery that we should have coming out of the covid pandemic and just turn it into a massive excuse for socialism. That's right. Socialism through economic planning. That would that looks like something you would have expected coming out of an authoritarian regime 50 years ago. That's what it's looking like right now. But they don't want you to focus on that. They want you to talk about how racist Georgia's completely not racist law is.
3: New Jersey has been leading the way with automatic voter registration, with having the foresight and the humility to understand that redemption for those who've come out of our prisons and jails must include a reintroduction into the full measure of citizenship. As someone who's not only fought for voting rights, but has been working hard on the census, your actions taken to address prison gerrymandering are crucial, because we cannot build a stronger society if we do not include the needs of every person. And that's the fundamental premise of democracy. Not that we get everything we want, but that we deserve to have a say in the direction of our nation, in the direction of our states, and in the direction of our communities. And when democracy is undermined by laws that we have seen pass, not only in Georgia, but in Iowa, and laws that are under consideration in Arizona, in Texas, in New Hampshire, in Florida, in 43 states across this country, we are seeing an onslaught, an attack on democracy.
1: Blather. Flowery language, blather. Blather from the fake governor of Georgia, Stacey Abrams, right, still claims that she won. Isn't it amazing? Democrats put forward a person who still refuses to concede that she lost a free and fair election for the last uh, governor's race in Georgia, and she's the national spokesperson, in a sense, for the Democrat Party when it comes to election law in Georgia and across the country. An assault on our democracy, right? Very, very emotionally charged phrases. What is the assault on the democracy exactly? Oh, people have to walk 100 feet to get food and drink at a polling station? now. Uh, 150 feet, I'm sorry. Oh no, that's, that's a, a terrible assault on democracy. Think of all the people that'll, be, that'll just be dying of starvation in the voting line. If only someone had gotten them a sandwich, they might have made it, been able to cast their ballot, but they had to wait 15 or 20 minutes for that sandwich. Oh no! This is what we're up against, friends. This is the kind of argument that we're seeing happening now all the time. And it doesn't matter what the truth is. It doesn't matter what the reality is. And that's why, you know, someone like uh, like Marco Rubio, I-, I don't think he really understands. Little Marco doesn't really understand what we're up against here. He doesn't understand the, the way the new left approaches the game, because as I keep telling you, hypocrisy is not something that embarrasses the Democrats of the left they don't care the fact that they can treat you one way and their friends another way is evidence of their power they like it so I mean here's how Marco Rubio speaks about the Delta CEO speaking out about the Georgia
2: law play two. so Delta Airlines are business partners with the Chinese Communist Party the same Chinese Communist Party that is committing genocide against Uyghur Muslims inside of China so I look forward to a letter today from their CEO telling everyone that what the Chinese Communist Party is doing with genocide is unacceptable. I look forward to that letter saying that genocide does not reflect the values of Delta Airlines. Of course, they're not going to send that letter, nor is Coca-Cola, nor is any of these other corporations that are out there proving to the world how woke they are, because they are woke corporate hypocrites. That's what they are. They're woke, corporate hypocrites. They make billions of dollars in a country that doesn't even have elections. They make billions of dollars working with a country that has no respect for anyone or anything. And they don't say a word about it. But in America, they're prepared to boycott a state and condemn them publicly to show and prove how woke they are. They're hypocrites, complete and total hypocrites.
1: They don't care, Marco. Now, I'm not saying it's never worth pointing out the hypocrisy because at least it's a reminder for all of us that, yes, there are a bunch of frauds, but calling them hypocrites is not going to change a thing. They're in a position of power. People are still going to fly Delta, even though they do business in China. People in this country don't care enough. It's not going to change anything. The CEO of Coca-Cola speaking out against the Georgia election law is going to get him High fives and support from his corporate board. It's going to get him social support. You know, when he goes to his probably, you know, half a million dollar a year golf, uh, golf membership club and and decides he's hanging out with the other rich people, they're all say, yeah, that's right. Standing up for democracy, man. I mean, they this is what the rich adopt the mores and cultural positions and political positions that benefit them in America today. Doesn't everyone see that? The elites don't want to go with ideas that are actually problematic for them. The elites want to be loved. They want to be revered. They already have money. They already have influence. So they want, they want people to think that they're the good people. That's why virtue signaling is so seductive. It's so powerful. So calling them hypocrites doesn't really do anything. It doesn't matter. We have to make them stop. We have to meet their power with other power or else... It just continues on. Or we can keep whining about how they're frauds when it comes to China, which is true, but it won't change a damn thing. It's just amazing to see how many news outlets are all pretty much saying the same thing about this enormous Biden infrastructure plan. Biden's great green leap forward. Amazing to see how this is playing out. Um, But it shouldn't be surprising at all because increasingly the Internet is turning into an echo chamber they are they are strangling conservative opinions every day this is this is actually happening i mean i'm suffering from it right now i deal with this all the time and i know other people do too i just had a friend who was banned from facebook he didn't even do anything wrong i saw what he posted it wasn't it wasn't him he was posting what someone else said about something to show look at how crazy the left is and still got got banned so you can't actually rely on the internet to be a free fair platform for the exchange of ideas So you need to find places where that can actually happen. You have to actually seek out those places online where you can share your thoughts and you can have like minded people that you can reach out to, because if you've tried to share your political opinions on social media, you know, it's hard to have a civil conversation. It's hard to have a conversation that won't get shut down by the social media censors. That's why I want to tell you about caucusroom.com. This is a social media network exclusively for conservatives. Caucus Room is an online community for conservatives to gather and engage locally. Only real people who are verified conservatives, this is critical, can become Caucus Room members. But Caucus Room will never share your information with anyone ever. The sign-up process ensures you're communicating with real conservatives in your neighborhood, no bots or trolls. It's a great way to get engaged on issues where you can make the biggest difference locally. At Caucus Room, you can participate in live virtual meetings that are so secure that The platform played host to over a dozen virtual Republican Party conventions this year. Also, share news, jokes and find ways to get involved with causes near you without the fear of Silicon Valley overlords stopping you. Join the Buck Sexton listeners group right now. That's right. We've got a Buck Sexton listeners group on caucusroom.com. That's C-A-U-C-U-S-R-O-O-M caucusroom.com. Dot com Join the Buck Sexton listeners group to interact with other listeners just like you.
4: So today, I'm proposing a plan for the nation that rewards work, not just rewards wealth. It builds a fair economy that gives everybody a chance to succeed, and it's going to create the strongest, most resilient, innovative economy in the world. It's not a plan that tinkers around the edges. It's a -a once-in-a-generation investment in America, unlike anything we've seen or done since we built the interstate highway system and the space race decades ago. In fact, it's the largest American jobs investment since World War II. It'll create millions of jobs, good-paying jobs, it'll grow the economy. Make us more competitive around the world. Promote our national security interest and put us in a position to win the global competition with China in the upcoming years. It's big. Yes. It's bold. Yes. And we can get it done. It has two parts. The American jobs plan and the American families plan. Big,
1: bold blather from Biden. That's what you have here. Well, this is going to make everything so much better. We're going to be more competitive on, in the global marketplace because Biden and his team of Obama reruns. You know, the people around him that just are, are people from the Obama era who were not good at running an economy. Right. A lot of regulation, a lot of taxation. Oh, yeah. Obamacare. People love that so much. Right. It was all, all so remarkable what they did. All the things that he's talking about here involve government usurping uh, the rights of people to their private property. It involves government taking from some and giving to others the redistribution of wealth. It involves government making enormous decisions, I mean, enormously consequential decisions About what kind of spending will occur, who will get what money, what industries will be supported and what industries will be crushed. And if you right now are somebody who works in fossil fuels, you've got to think, okay, so this is going to be bad for my industry. And it certainly is. Um, The New York Times and others, I mean, the the major journals of left wing opinion that pretend to be news organizations, CNN, they're all on board for this. This is the. The Biden transformation plan. You know, we haven't even think about this. We haven't gotten past the pandemic and people are starting to realize, OK, well, if, if the argument is going to be that the vaccines are imperfect, which is true, and that there could always be additional strains, which is true, and that means that you have to obey our, our rules and mask mandates and everything now because 90 percent effectiveness, 95 percent effectiveness, whatever, is not enough. It never goes away, folks. We all understand this, right? This doesn't go. There's no such thing as 100% safety from this virus ever. That's not happening. At least not not for years and years to come. That's not going to be reality. So instead of focusing on actually getting us out of this thing, and I'm sitting here as somebody who still has COVID doing this show right now. I mean, pretty much out of it now, but close to the very end. Um, And I'm telling you, They're talking about what a great job they've done on vaccinations. If you try to get a vaccination appointment now in New York City, good luck. Spend hours and hours online. And and yet they're doing campaigns about vaccine hesitancy. Okay, someone explain to me, I can't get a vaccine even if I want to in the next 90 days, which I'm going to wait, obviously, because I have built in immunity now from having had the virus. But I do want to get the vaccine at some point and I can't get one. But the government is so worried about people that refuse to get one. I'm sitting here saying, what about those of us that actually want to get it and can't get it? Do do we does anyone care about us? I'm just wondering, you know, do, do we get any say in this? But instead of focusing on that and getting businesses back up and running, look at what they're doing. I mean, look at how how just breathtakingly brazen this situation is. Their focus immediately turns to. How can they leverage this crisis for maximum impact? How can they leverage this moment to get as much as they want out of it? Never let a crisis go to waste. Rahm Emanuel under the Obama administration, the White House chief of staff. That is how the left. That's how the Democrats do everything now. Keep people afraid. Keep them angry. Make them feel like terrible things will happen unless the left has full control. And power to do whatever it needs to. That's where we are. And you can just see it. We haven't, we haven't recovered from COVID yet. Not even close. You know, the economy is shaky. Uh, you know, there's a, a lot of people that are wondering, you know, what's going to happen now going forward as, as we spend. We've already spent trillions and trillions of dollars to try to keep ourselves afloat here. They're, they're discussing a, another round, perhaps, of direct payments to individuals. I mean, we've got a long way to go. And that could actually be something if I saw the Biden administration taking action that was really just meant to deal with this pandemic, to get us out of the situation, out of this circumstance in ways that are just objectively good and smart. I'd feel a whole lot better about things and I would say it. But no, instead, they immediately have have because they know they got to do it all now. They're worried already about the, the midterms and they should be. Because of the crisis at the border and because the more Americans know about Democrat policies in practice, not the theories, not what the pollsters gather before the policy goes into effect. The more the American people actually feel the effects of the central planning that the Democrats, that the Biden-Harris administration or the Harris-Biden administration is planning, the less they like it, the less they want more of it. So people have forgotten it was four years. We had Trump and we've had this pandemic now for a year and people have forgotten what it means when you have when you had, say, the Obama administration in charge. And what were some of the truths of the Obama administration? You had the uh, you had the slowest recovery out of a recession since the Great Depression. So the weakest recovery ever, slowest recovery ever. You had the all time high set for food stamps usage, which is a which is a very useful metric of economic health because it's a real number that you can see and that it's unlike the inflation statistics and things that there's a lot of shenanigans around massaging the numbers. I mean, a, a snap or situ, a supplemental nutritional assistance program. Is a number that you can see and is real, and it's based on the actual data. It was very high, as we know, especially the first four years of the Obama administration. You had a tremendous amount of spending. I mean, the amount of federal spending that occurred under the Obama administration was unprecedented, and now we're about to see another round of unprecedented. They're gonna they're gonna make what, what was spent under the Obama administration look like look like nothing. That's the game plan here: just doubling down on all those things they did before, and. Hoping that they can use the institutions that are in that are controlled by the left and the wokeness and the the socialists. And remember, a lot of people that advocate for socialism. In fact, a lot of people who have been the leaders of socialist movements in the past are very rich. They're they're very uh, powerful and influential and live these incredibly elite lives themselves. They just want socialism for all of you. Right. You have to pay For the health care, for the illegal immigrants coming across the border right now by the by the hundreds of thousands. You know, you have to pay to support the Green New Deal policies of this uh, Biden administration, even though if there was real money to be made here, folks, don't we think that the green energy sector would just be flourishing on its own and wouldn't need all these government handouts all the time? But they have to do this as quickly as possible because if people figure out what's really happening, what's really going on, they will start. And when I say they, 30 percent of America, unfortunately, is, is, is essentially lost to us ideologically. I mean, maybe it's more like 40 percent, but 30 percent is just they're wacko, They're wackos. They they think that CNN speaks the truth. They think The New York Times is fair. They think that, you know, putting your pronouns on your uh, LinkedIn bio or announcing your pronouns every time you're on a work Zoom call or something is is rational and reasonable. They think that when CNN, I mean this was amazing. CNN recently had at the bottom of a news story that there was there's no uh, there's no clearly defined metric for assessing gender at birth. I mean I thought it was girls have a mm, and guys have a mm. You know, I, I thought we kind of knew what the difference was. I, I thought that had been established for a long time. Apparently, I don't read enough CNN. I'm not woke enough. There's no way to know the difference between him mm and him. Mm. You can't know. I guess I could say those things on the radio, but I just feel like, you know, family show. And I don't want any of you that have young ones running around saying, Buck on the radio said girls have a blank and boys have a blank, you know, so I'm trying to. For the parents out there i'm trying to make this an easier day for you i don't want them running around screaming what i say on the radio but i i think we know the difference between male and female i I really do I, i think that we we have established this for a long time but that makes me a problem now 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 i'm a bad person for saying that now i'm somebody that isn't sensitive enough isn't isn't kind enough doesn't understand this new civil rights struggle of uh of non binary gender rights or whatever. I don't. The, the language is constantly changing too. You see how this is all meant to. It's all emotional and it's meant to control. It's meant to control people. You're not allowed to ask questions. Wokeness hates asking of actual questions. You do what you are told. And when you start to see how there I mean there are real similarities between this and what you would expect in true authoritarian regimes there's a lot of crossover it's very concerning it's very concerning I mean we're, we're entering an era of government where the government has established that you have effectively no constitutional rights that they cannot abridge because of a virus that's out there they can abridge your your first amendment rights they, they they're already coming after your Second Amendment rights, as you know, and they're going to use the health emergency. Oh, the gun violence health crisis or something. That's going to be a part of this as well. And they're coming after all of your individual rights. They're coming after your constitutional guarantees of liberty. And they're spending money on a scale we've never seen before. And the guy in charge of this is Joe Biden, who's a moron. I mean, let's just be. He's not a smart guy. He's he's a he's a B minus at best intellect. And I'm not even talking about the deterioration stuff. He was a B-minus intellect 30 years ago. And the people around him, look at these advisors. I mean, they're all going to be fine. They're all going to get their consultancies and their book deals and their CNN gigs when they're done. They're wrecking the economy and they think they're good people because they're so concerned about minorities. That's what they that is their their ultimate currency right now. This Biden administration is how woke they are how how minority focused all their policies are uh, and diversity focused. Everything is all the time. Meanwhile, a lot of the rest of us are just saying, how is this actually going to help everybody in the country, including minorities? How is this actually going to be better for the overall economy? Don't ask those questions. Focus on whether the uh, major league all star game should be pulled out of Georgia because of a bill they're saying is Jim Crow 2.0. Don't ask any questions because then the whole thing falls apart. So so shut up and do as you're told, peasant. This is the Democrat pitch. That's what wokeness really is. It's a cult.
0: The vision that President Biden and the administration has laid out, you're right, has surprised a lot of us in a positive way. And in the detail and the thought that's here, this the scope of it um, is is really encouraging except <laughs> i think the how that 2.2 trillion 2.25 over 8 years i have serious concerns that it's not enough to realize the very inspiring vision that biden has advanced and so i believe that those of us here um, especially as progressives within the democratic party we know that there is so much more opportunity here. And in order for us to realize this inspiring vision, we need to go way higher.
1: And there you have it. AOC, who has like a degree in uh, economicals from Boston University, so she like knows stuff. Uh, She also got a science prize in high school in case you didn't know. She was very proud about that recently publicly. So so we have to listen to her on the science because she got a you know, she probably built one of those volcanoes or something that you bring to the science fair. Very impressive, Miss AOC. But uh, she's telling you that two trillion dollars is not enough for this Biden issue. not enough. Oh, okay. Now, so we just spent two trillion. And as we know, a lot of it went to things that have nothing to do with COVID, but they called it a COVID relief package. Now spending another two trillion is insufficient for the task at hand, which I have to say is pretty remarkable, isn't it? But it shouldn't be surprising. In case you don't know, AOC is an adherent of what's known as MMT, her, her top uh, economic advisor. I forget the guy's name, but her, the people around her. I know she has an economic advisor. Isn't that remarkable? Uh, MMT is modern monetary theory. The very basic explanation of what MMT means is it's it's a theory that you spend whatever money you think the government should spend is spent, whatever it is. We think we need five trillion dollars of of investments in infrastructure. We write, you know, the government writes the check and then you just deal with inflation as it comes. I'm serious. That is modern monetary theory. So you don't you don't have to worry. You don't have to take into account Crowding out, you know, the private sector, uh, government strangling actual GDP growth and productivity by involving itself in in things that it should have no business. No, no. Forget about all that. Whatever the government wants to spend, it should spend without limit. That's MMT. And then and then, of course, when inflation kicks in, as it inevitably will, because, you know, this is laws of supply and demand. This is pretty straightforward economics. Whenever that happens, you just say, uh, okay. Well, now we're going to try to rein in that inflation. The problem with that, as you know, is that governments, once inflation starts happening, it's very challenging for governments to shut that down. But they don't worry about that. Spend today, worry about the economic fallout tomorrow. This is a means of destroying an economy. I I want you to understand this is a means of actually truly collapsing and ruining a nation. If, if you if you take a fiat currency and you run it all the way into insolvency, into into destruction, the whole country collapses. I mean, you, you see this happening in places around the world. And I know that right now it feels like, oh, Buck, come on, that's that's fear mongering. She's saying two trillion dollars after we just spent two trillion dollars on top of a what? Three trillion dollar annual budget, maybe four trillion dollars a year now for the federal government is not enough money. I mean, there's a reason why you know, the millennials look around saying, uh, how exactly am I supposed to afford a house or health care or food given the way this economy is going? Um, macroeconomic policy is one of the big problems. Harsani time, our friend David Harsani back with us here in the mix. He is a senior writer at nationalreview.com, Read his latest there. Padma Lakshmi says, I have no business being a parent. He's got that up on nationalreview.com. David, great to have you, man. What What is Ms. Lakshmi, best known for being a somewhat uh, uh, snooty uh, critic of people's culinary skills on Top Chef? What is she saying about parenting exactly?
0: Well, she said that if you can't accept your child for who they're telling you they are, then you have no business being a parent. She's... You know, obviously talking about the trend that's going on of having young children, even teenagers, picking their sex and their gender and stuff like that. And I, I mean, I point out that I think that telling your kids who they are is the most important thing you do as a parent it is like the whole reason. If I listened to what my kids had told me, you know, they were they were Prince Princess Ariel. They would be jumping into the water and thinking they could swim away as mermaids. You know, it's not we have to mold kids and tell them who they can be and who they are rather than accepting what they tell us, who you know, what they, what they dictate, who they are. It's just insanity.
1: How is it that we've moved so far, so fast on this issue where what what would have been even, <clears throat> I would say, David, 10 years ago, considered by Democrats, they would say, oh, but that's not, you know, no, no one's really adv- no one's saying now, that's always the line. Right. No one's saying we would give puberty blockers to a 10-year-old who who thinks that he or she is a different gender we we know that the, and here we are no that is what they're saying actually now right i mean the 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 pace of transformation at the hand you know on this issue in particular at the hands of the left has, has been has been breathtaking and yet we're just supposed to assume that this is all rooted in what i mean it's it looks like a social fad i mean the, this the, the approach to parenting the approach to how this is an affirmation of who these people really are. I mean, I don't even remember anything I said when I, I literally don't remember anything I said when I was 10 years old, but people should be making life changing decisions then.
0: Yeah, no, it's insanity. And I don't, you know, I'm pretty libertarian on, on stuff. You want to live your life. You want to be, you know, you want you call your, you know, I'll call you whatever you want to be called when you're an adult. Now you're just talking about child abuse. This is child abuse and there's no reason anyone has to accept it or pretend that it's not. Um, and the reason, I mean, there's some theories on why it moves so fast. And I think I buy them. I mean, I think that once gay marriage was finished, they, you know, and that issue was basically put aside because most people now accept gay marriage. Um, you know, there was an in activist types needed another uh, issue. It's someone once called it Selma Envy. You know, it's it's you know, they would just have to look for issues to make civil rights issues. Um, this one is insane because it's now involving children People are, you know, parents, kids are allowed to do this without their parents. It's just, it's just insanity. So, um, I, I, what bothers me most about it is that, is that people are scared to speak up because of corporate culture, because they may lose their jobs. Because, you know, they'll be destroyed. Their reputations will be destroyed. And I just can't imagine any intelligent person who is a moral person who believes in science and who believes in logic, thinks it's OK to castrate young children. I just I just I just find it incomprehensible. Not only they do they would.
1: think it's OK, but this has been flipped now where they believe it, it is monstrous to have any questions about it. Never mind to even stand in the way of it. But you, you're you're an evil person if you say, hold on a second. Do we even know what the long-term physiological effects are of giving puberty blockers to prepubescent children? You ask this. I mean, Hollywood celebrities will treat you like you're an actual Nazi. I mean, they'll call you a Nazi if you say things like maybe giving puberty blockers to 11- or 12-year-olds. How can any rational, well-functioning person not understand this is insane?
0: I mean, Padma says uh, that... Your sex is merely a label initially assigned to you by a doctor at birth. Now, that is not something an intelligent person would ever say. And not, a, you know, what what underlying reasons does the doctor have to sign you a sex? Do you think? I mean, it, it's anti-science and these people are supposed to be the logical, rational, scientific people. So listen, I get that she's just a celebrity. But, she, you know, we have to remember these celebrities have millions of people following them. They can normalize behavior. And you see it being normalized, and that's what they're trying to do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I find it I find it incredible that it's happened so quickly. I find it incredible that anyone would believe this stuff, but it is happening, and it is happening quickly, and it's just getting worse.
1: We're speaking to uh, David Harsandi, nationalreview.com, for his latest. I also want to ask you, David, you mentioned uh, the corporate wokeness. I mean, the, the Delta... CEOs come out. I mean, I'm I'm amazed here because this is not you know, there are some areas where we're talking about voting or we're talking about a policy dispute where there's dueling characterizations about motivation or there's there's a a way that you could say, well, I think that their ultimate goal is X. They say it's Y. And, you know, you're making a case on on the Georgia election law uh, situation. They're just lying about this. They're actually just lying and saying things like it's Jim Crow 2.0, which Joe Joe Biden said, it's Jim Crow on steroids in an interview. This is just I mean, we're, we're always told that the that the uh, social media companies are blocking falsehood. This is falsehood. I mean, they're lying about this stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just demagoguery and the, the worst, worst kind. And to say, you know, it actually The very notion and this wording is used in almost every story in the mainstream media that it's restricting voting is itself a lie. It does not restrict voting. It just it's no, no more than than having a driver's license restricts driving. You simply need to show photo id a lot of the parts of this bill even surprised me at how liberal they were in the sense of expanding voting opportunities you know it was not e- it's not even a restriction bill in any way and for the delta ceo to talk about it being restrictive i mean he, his company i need a, i need to have a government issued id to get on a plane to get in an airport i have to wait online for hours to wait for planes for hours especially delta which is garbage company so like you know i can't even ma- imagine why he would get involved in something like this
1: what do you what do you think is motivating i mean i have different theories on this um and I, i've shared with this audience before And one of them is that i mean i believe that whereas there used to be the the, the standard uh the standard paradigm here or the the standard situation was companies don't want to face boycotts so they just will say okay okay we'll just do whatever just l- let us let us sell our widgets, let us sell our airline seats, let us do what we do, and we'll put out some statement and, you know, we'll do some diversity hiring or something. We'll just leave. It. But now I think it's actually shifted where, at least at some of these companies, people who are making decisions really do believe this stuff. I think there's been a transformation. What do you think is going on?
0: I don't know. I think you're probably right about that. I mean, when companies chime in because there's maybe tax policy that affects them, I get it where there's some policy that affects them and their business, I get it. But to get involved in something like this, I would just, if I was a CEO, I'd say, don't get involved in politics. I'm not gonna give you my opinion, but that's not the case anymore. And that used to be the way, and that's not the case anymore. So I don't know why, what their motivation is. I think there's, you know, I, I'm just gonna say it. I mean, I, you know, you watch TV and I don't watch a lot of commercials, but when you watch sports, you know, it's live. So there are commercials. You know, every commercial is basically a, some kind of woke take. You know, sometimes it's not offensive to me at all. Like, you know, women, girls playing sports, whatever it is, I'm actually for all that stuff. But it's always some kind of lesson, you know, given by these corporate corporations about how, you know, Black Lives Matter, whatever it is. I'm just, it's just in, you know, years ago that it wasn't that way. They were just trying to sell you something. Now there, it's just always has this sort of underlying moral lesson to you like delta is going to teach me about morality or you know nike which deals with china is teaching me about the morality of women in sports etc it's just annoying already and i don't really understand why they do it and i wonder if it helps their sales or hurts their sales i don't know speaking to david
1: speaking to david harsanyi of uh of You know, uh let, let, let's come back in a second because I got I got more I want to talk to David about. We got our friend David Harsanyi here in the mix, nationalreview.com for his his latest piece. And you know, David, of of all the you know, the Biden administration has totally taken it uh taken it as one of their mantras now. This the, the equal pay thing. this never seems to be an issue we could get past. We could it never goes away. Doesn't matter how much people misrepresent and lie. They've got this woman from uh, women's soccer, uh, R- R- Rapino, I think is how you say her. Rapino, Rapino. Um, she's on a women's national team, and she goes around now and she's a big advocate for equal pay. And of course, in this context, it's male athletes make more money, generally speaking, in their sports than female athletes do. But looking at the disparity in pay as somehow inherently justified, I mean, you know, I, I do radio. I do not make a hundred million dollars a year like Howard Stern reportedly does. And and there are a lot of reasons why people would say, well, you know, he makes a hundred million dollars a year for the following reasons. Uh, You know, there's a lot of justification people come up with for that. But it seems to me like they're just saying, well, I don't we, we don't make as much as these other people do doing the same thing. So we should make the same. I mean, this is like the logic of a child.
0: Yeah, it is. I mean, it's not first of all, it's not the same thing it's the same thing you'd have you know the same audience right now of course you have a very big audience and you're a very talented buck but <laughs>
1: i appreciate if, it. i'm not making a 100 million dollars a year though is the point yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> so you know you have i play let's say i play basketball just like you know lebron <laughs> this doesn't we're not doing the same thing even if i was in some b league or even if i was in the nba you know with scoring four points a game so, if a woman's soccer player is doing the same thing as a male soccer player, then she should play with the men. But the women's team was beaten by the sixteen year old sixteen year olds of the u s national you know us team. So they're not doing the same thing, and they don't have the same audience. I can't even believe anyone watches women's soccer or regular soccer, frankly, but it is not the same thing. Soccer is not the same thing as basketball or baseball. Just like hockey, my favorite sport is not the same thing. Players make less because they don't have the same audience. I mean, it's just we're we're going to have to deal with this forever. But the, the logic of it, make you know, it just doesn't. There is no logic to it. Yeah, it well, the, make so, I
1: don't understand how it's it's not even. They're not even making a good argument. I mean, this, it's a very obvious and weak case that's being made here. And and you know, there are metrics that that one looks at for this kind of stuff. I mean, how many people watch women's soccer? How many people watch? I was going to say watching women's. I mean, I actually, I mean, David, don't tell anybody. I actually do watch professional soccer occasionally in the international leagues. And and women's soccer is not something I will watch because it moves at about the speed of a men's standard high school game like that's just the way it is. Now, people can want to watch that and some do and that's fine, but there's not the same audience as there is for, you know, Manchester United or something like this, you know, a billion dollar sports franchise. There's a reason it's a billion dollar sports franchise, but Biden and all the rest of them, it just seems like they're they're so comfortable in the shameless demagoguery that it doesn't matter that no matter how flimsy the argument is, they, they'll they just continue to make it because they, they want to.
0: Right. I mean, it's just filled with platitudes. Like, women can do all things men can do. Trust me, I have daughters. Women can do a lot of things. They do different things better, and they do some other things not as well. And when it comes to physical feats, women sometimes don't... Aren't the same as as most men on average. I'm not saying there aren't any women out there who couldn't do it, but on you know on the whole, that's just not how it is. Now, just like you mentioned, I don't have interest in watching women's soccer or women's hockey or women's basketball, really. But you know, other like I like women's tennis. I think women are more interesting to watch than men's tennis for whatever reason. So, you know, it's just how it is. It's just you know. I think most people realize that we can't have equality in everything because biology sometimes tells us we can't. It's not to say women don't do things better than men. men. I'm a big
1: tennis player slash tennis watcher. Let's put that out there. And I I agree with you that a lot of the time women's tennis is more enjoyable to watch. And it's largely because there's, in my opinion, there's less of a reliance on on just the first serve as the as the difference maker. And so if you're a a recreational player watching the women play, the tactics, strategy, pace of the ball, you actually can learn a lot more and and identify a lot more with it because recreational players like the men uh, or rather as opposed to what you see with on the men's side are not hitting 130 mile an hour serves. See, again. We can have this conversation, and it's all very clear and obvious. But it just feels like there's a lot of a lot of nonsense going on, and it never it never goes away. It's it's like what is it a zombie lie? They say it's a lie that you can never get rid of the equal pay myth. But uh, but one more thing I wanted to talk to you about, David. It's just the the scope of the spending, and I, we could sit here and talk about the. And we're speaking to David Harsanyi of NationalReview.com. Uh, the, the scope of the spending we could discuss. How the New York Times is essentially running like ads for the Biden plan on the front page. I mean, you know, we see this all over the place, but I didn't want to get into that. I just at what point is it clear to people or does it ever become clear to Democrats that this actually when you're spending trillions of dollars, it has ramifications beyond just giving money to people you like?
0: I don't know is the is the answer to that and you know i heard a theory recently and i forget who said it or give him credit but the problem they say and i agree is that the abstract abstractness of trillion for instance is lost on people because if you said this costs two million dollars it's something that a person can actually understand two million is a lot of money a trillion after like a hundred million or a billion, everything's basically the same to you. A trillion and a billion is just you know a lot, right? A, a gazillion. So maybe it needs to be broken down more for people that you're paying this amount of money for this project or this amount of money for that one. Of course the Democrats avoid that by pretending like their COVID bill is about COVID and their infrastructure bill is about infrastructure, which it's not. And uh, I don't think Republicans have made a strong enough case to point out exactly the kind of spending that's going on and where it's going. And they're not making a compelling case for stopping this sort of thing. Now, I I don't know how people are going to react. I think at some point people are like, all right, we've spent enough. But I mean, God, you know, and and Republicans are guilty as well during Trump years. Trump did it as well. Not to this extent, though. I mean, and now, you know, but it, it never ends. And uh Yeah, Biden said the other day that uh, if we don't pass this, the deficit will go up. And it doesn't even make sense, but he just says it. And no one, you know, very rarely is he fact checked or anything.
1: It's amazing that that Joe Biden is uh, the the person that we were told in 2020 was going to to heal the country, unite us, bring us together and, and build and build a stronger economy for everybody. I mean, it's just all slogans. The guy has. No vision, no nothing. This is we, we are getting the third Obama term. I think I think people are starting to see that now.
0: Yeah, except worse, sort of amped up Obama. And Biden's been one of the worst actors in D.C. for a long time. He has no principles. He will take whatever. He's always at the center of whatever he thinks the Democratic Party is. He you know the the idea that he is some sort of I mean, he said Mitt Romney was going to put black people back into chains. I mean, this is not the person that he's supposedly or thinks of himself or how the media frames it. I mean, he's just, he's always been just a fabulous, a, a liar. I'm, you know, and, and not very bright. He's never been very bright. And that's just how it is. Everyone's People known seem to this me. until
1: five minutes ago too. I mean, the Democrats even knew this. Yeah. And we're all supposed I mean,
0: to forget. He's, he, he ran for president what three times. And I think, I think he won like one delegate in all three in one state. You know I mean? He was not, he won because there was, Pandemic because there was a downturn because he ran against Donald Trump because Bernie Sanders was the best other candidate. History has been very nice to him, uh, and he's president. It is what it is. But the idea that he's going to bring America together—I mean, anyone who's ever read of anything about him knows that's not true.
1: David Arsani, NationalReview.com for his latest. Everybody, check out what David's writing on there. Mr. Arsani, always a pleasure, sir. Stay safe. Uh, stay safe down in D.C.
0: You too. Thank you.